Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 151, Victor II. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Okay, so when we left off our story before the recap episode, St. Leo IX had died in 1054. Now, our friend, the subdeacon Hildebrand, was not present when St. Leo died. Instead, he was off investigating the um, Eucharistic heretic Berenger of Tours, if you remember him from last week. And so the people of Rome waited until Hildebrand could return before choosing their next pope. And in the meantime, I bet you can guess it, Benedict IX tried one more time to take back his title as pope. Hopefully this is the last time, though, because the people of Rome prevented him and he didn't succeed. When Hildebrand got back, the Roman clergy all wanted him to be pope, but Hildebrand convinced them not to elect him, but rather to send him as an ambassador to the emperor to discuss who the next pope would be. Now, Hildebrand arrived in Mainz, where the emperor Henry III had called a diet to discuss the papal suggestion. His candidate was Gebhard, the bishop of Eichstadt, and the chancellor or the chief officer of the Holy Roman Empire. After begging off multiple times, still they wanted Gapehart. One source even claims that the bishop sent agents to Rome to secretly defame his name to prevent him from getting made pope. But eventually he agreed, and Horseman tells us that upon accepting the office, Gapehart said, I give myself up body and soul to the service of St. Peter, and although I know myself to be unworthy of so holy a see, I will obey your commands on condition that you restore to St. Peter what belongs to him. Now, that condition that Gapehart gave was that certain territory and property, which had been for various reasons taken from the Holy See by the emperor, should be restored. So Gapehart thus left with the emperor for Rome in March of 1055. But once he got into Italy, he left the emperor and his army behind, traveling only with his fellow clergy, including, of course, Hildebrand. It was Hildebrand, apparently, who convinced the people to consent to the emperor's choice. And it was also apparently Hildebrand who suggested that Gapehart take the name Victor, making him Pope Victor II. Pope Victor was officially installed on April 13, 1055. Now we got to double back briefly and learn more about Gapehart of Eichstadt. He was born of a noble German family, though we aren't certain about much more of his background. He was educated at the Cathedral School of Regensburg, where his distant cousin, also named Gapehart, was bishop, who would eventually become Saint Gapehart. His relative apparently proposed that he be made Bishop of Eichstadt when it became vacant. Now, there's a bit of a cool story surrounding this appointment because apparently Henry III was taken aback by the suggestion owing to the fact that Gapehart was very, very young. He was in his early 20s, which is younger than canon law says that a man can be a bishop. The emperor, who was only 25 himself, for that reason didn't want to make the appointment, but he consulted the Archbishop of Mainz, a man named St. Bardo, who encouraged him to make the appointment. The story goes that when the emperor came to St. Bardo with the question, the saint replied, My lord, you may well bestow on him this power, for one day you will grant him a greater. Now, of course, we don't know how true this story is, but we do know that St. Bardo's voice did tip the scales in favor of Gapehart, and he was ordained a bishop in around Christmas of 1042. Gapehart showed himself from this very early age to be an astute political observer, a faithful bishop, and an influential counselor to the emperor. He accompanied the emperor to Rome during his trip in 1046 to help settle the situation of the three claimants to the papal throne. If you remember, this was the famous Council of Sutri, where they uh, deposed Gregory, Sylvester, and Benedict IX, and then installed Clement II as pope. 
And from this point on, we find Gebhardt often with the emperor as one of his chief advisors. He was so well-respected and so trusted that during a political crisis in Bavaria, Gebhardt was put in charge. Apparently, Conrad, the Duke of Bavaria, was driven out of his duchy and fled to Hungary. And so the emperor, Henry III, made his own five-year-old son, Henry IV, Duke of Bavaria in his stead, and he appointed Gebhardt to serve as his regent. So not only was he trusted with an important territory, he was entrusted with the emperor's own son. So back to 1055, and Gebhardt is now Pope Victor II. Pope Victor, assisted by Hildebrand, continued the work of reform begun by Pope St. Leo. Shortly after his installation, Victor convened a large synod of bishops with the emperor in Florence, where the works of Leo were confirmed, and several bishops who obtained their sees illegally were deposed. Victor then sent Hildebrand to France, where he helped clean up the church there, as well along the same lines what had been happening in Italy and Germany. Now, our next big event was the Pope's visit to the Holy Roman Emperor Henry III at his court in Goslar, and he arrived just in time for the Emperor's death. Henry III confessed his sins to the bishops surrounding his sickbed, and after receiving the apostolic pardon and the Holy Eucharist, he entrusted the succession of the Emperor to the Pope by placing his son Henry IV in his care. So this is a big deal. Henry IV, if you remember, is still a little kid. And so there's going to be all this competing power structures, all these different people who have a stake in trying to control him, trying to control the succession, trying to be the regent so that that way they can really be the ones behind the throne while this little kid is made the emperor. And so Gabehart is now put in this position, or, or Pope Victor at this point, is put in this position to try and maneuver and make things peacefully transition power-wise. So the emperor died on October 5th, 1056, and Victor oversaw the transition by appointing the empress Agnes as the regent for the six-year-old Henry IV, and then by bringing the Henry IV to Aachen, placing him on the throne, and having all the nobles swear allegiance to him. Aachen was the traditional capital of the Holy Roman Empire, so it was the place where, where symbolically it meant the most that they would swear this oath to him. And that prevented serious turmoil for the moment with such a young king on the throne. The Pope returned to Rome in 1057, and besides a couple of reform councils, we have one more thing of note to talk about, and that was a disputed election of the abbot of the Benedictine Abbey of Monte Cassino. Apparently, the monks there had elected a man named Peter as abbot, but without papal approval. Peter was asked to resign, and then a new candidate approved by the Pope, Cardinal Frederick of Lorraine, who was one of those reform-minded guys brought to Rome by Leo IX, he was elected. There was a little bit more to this story, but we'll save that for next episode. Now, immediately after this election and consecration of the new abbot, a council was held in Arezzo in southern Italy to settle some minor ecclesiastical swabbles. But there in Arezzo, the Pope got sick and died on January 28, 1057. Some of the priests in Eichstadt, his home diocese, came to try and take his body back home, But then they were attacked by bandits on the road near Ravenna and lost almost everything. They decided then to leave the Pope in Ravenna, and he was buried in the church of Santa Maria Rotunda, which has been the mausoleum of the Ostrogoth king Theodoric, and which had then been made into a church. Now, at some point, however, it got brought back to its original form. You can still visit it today outside of Ravenna as a mausoleum and not a church. And the tomb of Pope Victor was either destroyed or moved. Now, Victor II was succeeded by Pope Stephen IX, and we will talk about him next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and God bless you.